Welcome to the Sunshine Satellite Story Podcast, mythology mashups and odd apologues for young audiences. I am your host, Amanda Louise, moving you through the realms of malicious monsters, meritorious heroes, through the practice of real and imagined magic, shining a light into the darkness and conjuring something meaningful out of chaos. We made it to chapter 11 in The Viking and the Princess. And once again, if you're still with me, I'd like to thank you. I know this is a long story. And I appreciate you being with me. So, synopsis of our events so far. The holes that the chameleon's zombie army had drilled into Princess Moiety's chest would have killed her if the Viking and the glowworms had not intervened. The princess, in tune with her character, demonstrated her gratitude to the Viking for his sacrifice by stealing his boat and fleeing the island. She would have sailed home quite happy with herself if she had not had so much trouble with the holes. The holes exposed the world around Moiety to the negative pressure inside her chest. Quite a few random objects and an ocean giant were sucked inside of her to establish equilibrium. On top of all that, the mermaids were attacking. The only thing the princess could think to do was to light Odin's scroll of poetry on fire to fight them off. This caused a tsunami. Moiety also discovered that in the light of the poetry scroll, things such as mermaids could be seen for their true nature. When the tsunami from the burning scroll covered the island, Moiety was sure she was going to drown and Job's leviathan came along at the last moment and saved her from drowning. The leviathan carried her down to the deepest part of the ocean, to the base of the island. There they met the nidhogg, the organism, infecting the roots of the world tree. The nidhogg attacked moiety and leviathan, and while the leviathan was reeling from the blow, the nidhogg was looking for a way to enter the princess's chest cavity. And our quotes are from Madeline L'Engle. And she says, With each book I write, I become more and more convinced that the books have a life of their own, quite apart from me. A book, too, can be a star, explosive material, capable of stirring up fresh life endlessly, a living fire to lighten the darkness, leading out into the expanding universe. Moiety called out to the Leviathan again, How do I fight this? Her mustard seed of resistance to the darkness was enough to pierce through the current and find the dragon's mind. Hope sliced through his despairing thoughts. The child was finally fighting. God does not give us meaningless dreams. Tell a story, Leviathan commanded, and began to muscle himself tiredly toward her. The Nidhogg had disengaged his considerable length from the root system and was hovering above the current, rushing into Moiety's chest cavity. Tell a story, Moiety balked. Why, what story could she tell when all the world was rushing into her black hole heart? What do you mean? 
The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. The dragon's words crackled into her head like a flurry of sparks jumping from a smoldering log. Maybe the Leviathan was right, and the only way to fight against the depression of consumption was through the joy of production. Perhaps the best way to fight pain was to use it to her advantage, to harness the power of the chaos around her and use it to produce something of value. Moiety inhaled and listened. She exhaled and repeated the rhythm that she heard around her. The ladybug is done. It splits its ruddy mold, splaying tiny fly wings unfurling from their fold. The current flowing into her chest cavity slowed ever so slightly, imperceptible to anyone but Moiety. Moiety again opened her mouth to translate the universal vibration that she heard in the ocean around her. A still, small voice is only loud to quiet ears. Tiny drips dropping flood a city after years. The current slowed even more. Moiety closed her eyes, a redundancy in the Stygian darkness, but somehow necessary to creation. The poem continued to reveal itself. Marching ants move like a military fleet. Tiny blades of grass are splitting concrete. Quiet, gentle zephyrs turn the clouds to rain. The beach expands by sand, grain by grain. The current in Moiety's chest stopped and the water in the trench returned to its regular flow. The Nidhogg, fearing a missed opportunity, quickened his approach, seeking a new entry point. If he could not possess the princess, he would consume the woman. Moiety continued. Slowly seconds slip into many hours. A prince who has no people commands no mighty power. All silent choices do a lifestyle make, merging and diverging into that which death will take. The Leviathan was also on the move. He was moving faster and growing stronger with the presence of creation's vitality invigorating the tidal flux. Every little wave that comes gliding into shore makes the solid highways a little less secure. Moiety was now neutrally buoyant, hovering a fathom above the floor. Her face was alight in the darkness. The current in her chest reversed. Instead of consuming, it was now a free release, transforming everything it had held onto as it released. The first thing set free was the rope from the boat rigging. It flowed out from the holes in her chest. It did not come out precisely as a rope. The line was still long and thin, but it was hard like the world tree roots. It curled out like a grapevine, coiling itself into a flat disk of three coils, all radiating from a center point. It increased in sturdiness and solidified into a triskelion shield with the F-shaped Ansu's rune at the very center. Moiety hoisted it up onto her forearm. The eye is full of looking, but it is too big to see the smallness of importance, of restrained ferocity. Moiety released Ipaluvik. He flowed out of her chest, not as a giant scoffing narcissist, but as a cyclonic cloud of thousands of tiny bioluminescent seahorses. They were glowing with blue light. 
They were altogether adorable, and they were all growling aggressively at the approaching Nidhogg. The fury of a pheasant's wing, the insect's compound eye, the force of fishtails flitting, the ladybug lifts to fly. The leviathan arrived, massive to moiety, and a mere mite to the Nidhogg. He appeared to be completely unaware of the size discrepancy. He positioned himself valiantly between them. The cloud of tiny seahorses congregated in a supportive echelon wedge formation around the leviathan. Next, the anchor came out, now transformed into a sharp, white, glowing blade. Moiety felt very light. She grasped the handle and continued to translate the music around her into more words. All these tiny things that we may or may not see tell us little stories about life's brevity. The enemy halted and considered them. Its eye holes gaped. It exposed its rancorous mouth and from deep inside its throat unfurled a flower of malicious hooks. It's grapnel for anchoring itself to prey. The Leviathan stood firm. You cannot have her. The Nidhogg closed his mouth, halting his advance. The water around them grew colder. We already own her. Moiety continued her rebellion. Ladybug is done. He flies away home, and I am left to wonder to let my blood roam. Ayyak! The Nidhog screamed. No more wondering, no more creating. Make her put her head down and go eat something. Moiety held up her new weaponry and started hacking at the worm's segmented tail. The square pieces fell off effortlessly, as if they were designed to detach. She thought she must be doing quite well in the fight. It did occur to her that it was strange that the Nidhog had not come to the aid of its own tail. The Leviathan, flanked by the glowing blue seahorses, swarmed into one of the Nidhog's eye holes and disappeared. What would Ladybug say if you could hear him speak? What large wisdom flows from tiny beaks? The square tail pieces that Moiety had been diligently cleaving and allowing to free float to the ocean floor were coming to life. Slowly, at first, and one at a time, but then quickly and in hordes, they came to life like zombified manta rays. They lifted and attached themselves to the world tree roots. These dots, they aren't my eyes, they are my gilded thorax. Those things, they aren't your life, they are your little knickknacks. And Moiety, like any sincere poet, wondered where her words had originated. It was not what she had originally been thinking, it just sprang forth like Athena out of Zeus's headache. It seemed to bother the worm, but it had done no lasting good. The problem had multiplied by reproduction. She had a blade and a shield now, but had lost Odin's scroll of poetry. At least she knew how to stop the dispassionate influx of the universe into her chest cavity. The Nidhogg shook its head violently, whipping back and forth and banging himself on roots and rocks, and then suddenly went rigid. Its eyes lit up. The point of the worm's body where Moiety had stopped cleaving settled on the floor. The Nidhogg looked precisely like an underwater lighthouse. The poor tube worms peeked nervously from out behind the rocks. Leviathan spoke to her from inside the worm's head. 
When we cease to classify things as right and wrong, the only way to appraise them is whether or not I want. And what is wrong with that, Moiety asked, already forming the beginning of the answer in her mind. The Leviathan floated out of the lighthouse light, that used to once be an ancient worm eye. Wants are only valued by their emotional strength. And emotions are the plumb line of instability, Moiety returned the thought. Yes, a kite cannot anchor a boat. Kites are fun, and if used as a sail, are valuable for moving you in a direction, but they are not good for stability. A boat needs an anchor and a sail. Moiety recalled the incident of the kite and the north wind and finally understood the meaning of the moment. It made no sense at the time. What did you do inside of the Nidhog? she asked the Leviathan. We infected it, he said. Moiety looked confused. Specifically, we increased the permeability of the schizosome membrane for calcium ions, which cause contraction and paralysis. The Leviathan laughed. Bad things can infect good things, but good things are infinitely more effective at infecting bad things. Darkness can do nothing but allow the light in once the lamp blazes. The seahorses swarmed in, gambooling delight inside of the empty head cavity. The Leviathan continued his explanation. Denial of the concept of a universal right and wrong causes heightened emotionality. Logical incongruence makes an organism easier to infect because resistance to truth lowers all resistances, including the immune system. Also, the heightened emotion hatred, in particular, makes the creature susceptible to a wealth of pathogens as it has the added benefit of disrupting normal neural pathways, thereby making the host stupid. Now we need to deal with all of these loose proglottids flowing around. The tail ends? Yes, where is Odin's scroll? Moiety was embarrassed. It fell, she started. Leviathan pulled Moiety up onto his back. Again, and together, in the light cast from the Nidhogg, they began to search for the lost scroll. Thank you for listening to this Sunshine Satellite Story Podcast. This is an original story by Amanda Louise Van Stratum. All rights reserved. For more original stories and poetry, including links to purchase text copies of my books, please visit me at sunshinesatellite.com. If you've enjoyed this story, please let me know by leaving me a review and rating in the comments section. I hope to hear from you soon.